Hello, Northern Michigan. Welcome into episode number 115 of the Get Around Podcast, a great sports podcast powered by us here at the Record Eagle. My name is Jake Adnip, here with my colleagues Andrew Rosenthal and the great James Cook. I had the last week off. I know you guys miss me. Miss me so much that you each had to try and you weren't here? impersonate me. Oh, if anybody thought I was here, they must have thought your impersonations were really good. Because uh, I knew it wasn't right. But you guys miss me so much. They always say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So I was very, very, you know. Or mockery. Uh, <laughs> Y'all labeled it as an imitation yourself. We didn't say we were mocking me on the last podcast, but. If you're mocking me, you'd make a mockery of the get-around. Because, I mean, this is what it sounds like. <laughs> My voice is a little strained from the past week. I do quite a bit of yelling when I get off of work. Um, if I'm not in this podcast studio, I'm only louder than I normally am. So uh, that explains my strained voice a little bit. I promise I don't have coronavirus. I didn't come back uh, from a week off and bring anything to Traverse City. But, fellas, you guys had a busy week last week, right? Busy, yeah. busy week. State finals for skiing, and then, uh, yeah. Then Andrew worked the weekend, so he had to take a couple days off during the week, yeah, and it was which I conveniently had a cold during, so that was awesome. And then I went to another state finals for skiing. <clears throat> isn't, that ex- isn't that exciting when you uh, you know are down a man and it seems like everything happens at once? Yeah. We had a Charlevoix resident competing in the Olympic marathon trials, and she almost went to the Olympics, too. Was that Desiree Linden from mm-hmm. uh, who won the Boston Marathon yep. a couple of years ago? Yeah, uh, I remember she did a, a speech up here sometime last year. We got to talk to her a little bit when she was up here for Ironman or something like that too, as well. Yeah, she's a she's a great runner and she's a definitely an inspiration for a lot of people out here. But speaking of inspirational stuff, we have actually a lot to cover this week. Uh, girls basketball districts are in full swing starting Monday. We have a full breakdown of all the districts, and we're going to give you our favorites and some of our picks in our segment after our interview today. Our interview is a great one with Nordic skiers, senior Joe Tente from Traverse City St. Francis and junior Ariel Jean from Traverse City West. Both competed in those Nordic State Finals this weekend and did fantastic. What a great interview. They sat down with James and Andrew on Monday, so make sure you stick around for that. Before we get into all that, we always are going to let you know what happened last week and let you know what's coming up in the Pulse. Had some really big basketball games uh, at the end of the week last week that I know you two are excited to talk about. Wrestling, hockey, skiing. It's all in full swing and in the very, very important moments of the season here and in, in entering into the postseason. So we're going to get into all that before we get into our Hall of Fame and dive into our trifecta later in the show. Before we do that, we always have to remind you, this episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. While we're on the topic of those guys, we are going to get the people fed here at the top of the episode. And this week's winner is off of Twitter, one of our loyal followers, Rhonda Cooper a Traverse City resident. Keep a look on your DMs. Thank you so much for interacting with us on social media. We will get those subs sent out to you. And do not forget, if you like, share, comment, retweet, post a gift, even you know reply to us and see what we want to uh, add into our next episode, you will be entered in to win two free Jimmy John's subs from the Get Around. Now that we're done with that, let's put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the Pulse, guys. Last Friday was crazy. You are even more hoarse than normal. Yeah, I am. I talked a lot this week. I was a chatty Cathy all week. So... <laughs> It's not, it's just, it's straight strain. I'm trying to drink coffee right now because soothe the, the vocal cords a little bit, but. Wouldn't hot chocolate better I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the coffee does that. I just need something like hot and liquid, just like trying to like. Well, hot chocolate is just water with 
cocoa powder in it. And this is what they have at the office. It's bad coffee too. So I'll just I'll be like uh, Kermit the Frog and sip my tea <laughs> while I listen. Uh, you guys were here last week, so I need you guys to do a lot of the talking for me on what we're talking about from last week. So thank God my voice will end here. But we'll start here. Traverse City, St. Francis, and Charlevoix, boys and girls, basically had fights for the Lake Michigan Conference or shares of the Lake Michigan Conference at the end of the week last week. We were surprised. Charlevoix swept both of those teams. James, you kind of clued me in on what happened with the girls, and we thought something cool was going to happen, and it did. So, I mean, they surprised them, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the podcast last week where we said that, you know, we'd heard a lot of rumors that Elise Stuck would be back for this game, and, and she was. Didn't play a, a ton, necessarily. Came off the bench, but scored six points for him, gave him a lift, and uh, and that game just was not even close. It was 13-2 to after one quarter, and then 26-2 to at halftime, so they outscored him 13 to nothing in the second quarter. Tyler Shell said that they just, St. Francis, just they, they just couldn't hit a shot in the first half, and then they got behind, and it just kind of snowballed. And, you know, I think they got you get behind, and then you start getting the nerves. And, and 26-2, to is a, that is a deficit at halftime, and I don't know if any, yeah. any person ever thinks they'll be in that situation in a locker room. Yeah, I yeah. think I remember the game at St. Francis, even without Stuck, they cruise to an early quarter i think it was 13 nothing or 14 nothing after after a first quarter they were having a hard time with, with charlevoix sides i don't think there's a girls team around here that has the size of charlevoix mm-hmm. so yeah well, abby, I mean, abby cunningham is a nice post player in addition to lee stuck and then you know taylor petrosky eddie nagel they got some some pretty good athletes there i'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do in the playoffs. And now they have Elise. The sky is the limit. If she, uh, I know she's probably not at 100%, but I would assume that she has not lost any of her basketball skills, although she's been kind of laid yep. up over the last few uh, months. So, Well, she had to get the clearance from her doctor, and I'm sure... You know, pretty sure that the doctor is going to be pretty conservative with this and not let her go unless it's good to go. So, I mean, given that she's got an athletic scholarship to the University, yeah, the University Michigan of Michigan, Michigan said it was all okay. So, but the final <coughs> score of that game, just so we see how lopsided it was, forty-five to eleven. So, second straight LMC title for the Charlevoix Raiders girls teams. Obviously, with Elise Stuck being out, we were unsure if that was going to be the case for the season, but they proved it without her. And then when she comes back, they sh- really show what they could have probably done with her all season. That would have been mm-hmm. very scary. So, I think people are scared about that. We'll talk more about them in the end uh, or after our interview into our girls basketball district finals. But let's go over to the boys' side. Charlevoix and Traverse St. Francis played in that game too. And St. Francis already had the league title wrapped up, basically, but shocked. 48-game win streak snapped in the LMC. Last game of the season uh, in the conference for them, and this happens. Do either one of you think it was kind of one of those things where they didn't think it was a possibility and then Charlevoix really, really surprised them? Or do you think it was one of those things where Charlevoix actually was pushing on them like this all season long? I think it's a, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, it, it it was kind of a trap game for St. Francis in that they had already locked up the league, that this game really didn't mean anything as far as the standings go. But, you know, they had, they had that 48-game 40, win streak in the conference. You want to keep that going. You're playing a, a quality team in Charlevoix, and you're playing them on the road. You know, so that's got trap game written all over it. But on the other hand, you're playing a quality team in Charlevoix, and uh, you know, so Charlevoix just came in. They uh, stayed close that whole game. Brendan Chenard uh, hit a long three, like way behind the three-point line, uh, just before the end of regulation to send that into overtime, even. Okay. And then Charlevoix uh, took the overtime. Yeah, I remember that game at St. Francis. It was leading up to it. I think they had just hit 40. That was the game to make it 40. 
42, I believe, 42 or 43. They, they were down by nine early in the game. That was when Wyatt and Asadis really took off. It was like a 17-point run. So it, these two schools have really been going at it all year. I think it was one of those, that was back then it was more of a 50-50 game to extend the streak now. But we, as we both know about 50-50 games, sometimes they turn the other way. And when you're on the roads, roads sometimes that's a deciding factor. A little bit extra, yeah. yeah. I mean, and Charlotte Boy does have some pretty good size on that team. Oh yeah, and that's, the, I, I and that's the one thing that St. Francis doesn't have is they're not blessed with a whole lot of size. I mean, Brendan Schnard's basically their biggest player. Yeah, and he's essentially a, a guard. He's a yeah. swing kind of you know perimeter player. You know, yeah. for a large part, you know. So yeah, St. Francis is not blessed with a whole lot of height. So I mean, with the with Stuck and Mueller inside, and, 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 and Evan Solomon on top of that. Last week, I yeah. mean, I'm I'm starting to look at Evan Solomon's numbers as close to player of the year type numbers. It took me a second to realize it, but the kid's on fire. So they definitely have athletes out at Charlevoix. But really good to see that type of game out of the Raiders here at the end of the season. One week until boys' districts. Next week, we'll dive much more into that and boys' districts once we get started. But we'll move away from basketball a little bit. There was a lot more stuff that happened for you guys last week. We're going to talk a little bit about wrestling. Obviously, team finals were this past weekend. Individual finals are coming up this weekend. But uh, we had some some teams that make it down there, and not surprised with Gaylord, but Kingsley and the teams like that made their way uh, into these late rounds for the first time in quite a while. I know we were pretty proud of them, but we get to Gaylord back at the runner-up spot. That Lowell team is just, there's no way it seems they get past them. I think it was 53-4 to was the final in the state final, but you talked to him over the weekend, Andrew. Gaylord has several wrestlers who were able to, you know, really show up in the state finals. Who was able to kind of put their mark in the history books for Gaylord this year? Yeah, John Henry Sosa had a really good day, I heard. Um, he had two wins. first one was by a pin, I believe, and the second one was a major. He majored a kid 22-11, I believe. So, yeah, it's like four points away from tacking the guy in the state final m- match against Lowell. In mm-hmm. that first match, a lot of them had pins. That's what you want. I think they five, for four or five of the first matches were by pin. You really want that when you're in a dual match. It's When you're not competing individually, you really need pins give you six points, and that helps you cruise out to a decent lead. Sometimes that decision the minor or major can hurt you down the end you know the coach said it's not what you want to come away with the state runner up but eight teams were in that tournament and there are, there are eight teams in the entire state of michigan that were in that tournament gillard was one of them so it's still a nice looking trophy for oh yeah place. oh yeah i mean it, it basically looks the same it's the exact one, same it's just one word different different word <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, Gaylord's been up there in the upper echelon of wrestling for some time now. We know these kids, some of them are still pretty young. Uh, they're going to keep going. We have seven Gaylord wrestlers headed on to the individual state finals this weekend, which is over half of their individual team. So that is impressive in and of itself. So good luck mm-hmm. to those Gaylord guys this weekend down at the state finals. Um, we have plenty of other kids going, but um, there was only a few teams that actually did send multiple yeah. kids down to the state finals. Yeah, 21. I think we got 21 kids from the area in the state finals. That's a pretty good number. Exactly. So we got, we got a lot to look out for this weekend. So good luck to everybody who's heading down to the state finals all over the state um, and down to Ford Field for this weekend. We got a couple more sports to talk about before we dive into our interview because bowling has moved all the way into the final stages. We got down and bowling finals are this weekend. We had three local teams win regional titles with the Traverse City Christian Girls and the, Ca- the Cadillac Boys and the Boyne City Boys all won the regional. I know Boyne City was a great story. We had those three teams win, and the Traverse City West boys had a fantastic showing to push themselves into the state finals. They came back in the final game of their regional and went from fifth place to second place to put them into that qualifier. A couple really cool things happened. I know you guys looked at that. James, how did TC West make that happen? Yeah, they came in and they were in fifth. They were well over 100 pins out of qualifying. 
you know, behind the last, the third place team for qualifying. And then uh, the, the entire team just puts together five great games and uh, they get put together the highest scoring output in that game of all the schools in that entire region for the day. And you do like six Baker games and then I think it's five individual games after that. And uh, and led by Blade Kalbflesh in that with a, a 298. There's only one way that you can shoot 298 in bowling, and that's to roll 11 strikes in a row and then get eight on the last throw. God, that, that's, that's not... The only, <laughs> that's the only way you can get eight, 298. Like, it is disappointing, but it's also so impressive. Like, so impressive. <laughs> but I wonder, Blade had to just be incensed at those two pins. But still... He helped lead them to that second place in the region. So we have four teams going on to the Bowling State Finals. One girls, three boys teams. One that was kind of surprising, Elk Rapids, who obviously made a big push at the end of the GNHSBC season. Kind of had a rough day, fell into fourth in their regional and actually missed the state finals, which yeah, they, was kind of unexpected. They just missed it, but not by a ton. you know. So they gave it a pretty good run there. And then, yeah, and then the other champions that we got, the TC Christian girls, they... I think that Very was expected. Well. I think that was expected. They've they've done they did that last yeah, year. Yeah, they've been as well. they've been doing pretty well. But I mean, the, uh, they just kind of controlled that region. Cadillac boys took care of business again, and Boyne City boys winning. I mean, they haven't had a bowling team for that long, in comparison to a lot of the teams around here. So um, that's a nice win for them too. That's what I said. That was a good story for them. So. Hey, I think we had the bowlers on a week ago, and they said, I was at Noel, and she goes, I think bowling is starting to kind of die off in northern Michigan. These teams think otherwise. Yeah, I think Boynton's in, what, its third season, I think, of having yeah. it as, as a varsity sport. And they have so. a regional title. And they won a regional title. Two yep. guys sending, they, got, they send two guys singles state, state too. That's what I mean. So, once again, another state finals this weekend, and bowling wanted to make sure we updated our lovely Audible viewers on those. Good luck to all of our bowlers who will be heading downstate. To Thunder Bowl and there's all over the place. Yeah, they're all over. So wherever you may be, I hope the oil patterns are rolled in your favor. In your favor. <laughs> yeah, may the oil patterns be ever in your favor. <laughs> all right, we got we got one more sport to talk about. This has been a long pulse. We have a lot a lot going on. I mean, I'm back, so you know I want to just talk a lot, even though I don't have a voice. But hockey playoffs were actually like the first ones to start started last Monday, and uh, we're already on to our regional title games this week. We got three teams who have a chance at a regional title. And these aren't the three teams that we've been talking about most of the year. The Traverse City Bay Reps fell out in the second round. We knew, you know, after their run last year, we said we didn't think it was their year, but after the second round, they're they're the first one out. They still had a nice season, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, not, there's nothing against them yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, what they had, there's, I think I went through the thing, and there's there was 10 teams in the state of Michigan that had 20 wins this season, and two of them are in our coverage area, in the Reps and TC Central. I'm down for that. The reps fell out first. Let's talk about the guys who are still in it. We have Traverse City West, Traverse City Central, and Gaylord vying for regional titles on Wednesday this week. I know we expected Traverse City Central. They've rolled to this this point so far, even in the playoffs. But we got West, and you said in your five questions, James, you thought Gaylord might actually be a sleeper. Why do you think that, and do you think that they're going to be able to come out with a regional title this week? That region isn't the strongest in the world. <laughs> I mean, that's not the big thing. But I, I just looked at it, and I thought, you know, that this is winnable. I think Gaylord has some, some momentum going into the end of the season with, uh, you know, everything that happened up in Kingsford. I think the team's fired up. You know, they finished the season fairly strong, and I, I just kind of had a good a good feeling about, you know, that the regional with, you know, Alpina and uh, Sheboygan. Uh, I mean, that other game between Sault Ste. Marie and Tawas is... Or it was. Do you look at their records? Yeah, the three wins combined between the yeah, two Yeah, one teams. and 21 and two and 21. So once again, this is why we needed seeding and playoffs and 
that is just a waste of a game, kind of, sort of. It's kind of a cool mm-hmm. story, too. When I when I talked to the Gaylord players after the game at Petoskey, they really felt bad that Sam is missing a, like the back end of his senior season. They want to give him more games. They want to give this guy another more chances to hit the ice. And he scored again in that Alpina game, too. So when he, he's coming back from the injury and he's really making, an effect, really making an impact for him, he scored in the last two games for him. Now, I just have to ask you, boys. I'm still sitting here thinking that TC Central is going to be in the Final Four. I'm going to book it. I, I don't think it's a hot take. I don't think it's been a hot take all season. I think it's TC Central is in the, in the Final Four. I seriously think so. Um, you know, I, I, I would not be shocked to see TC West play in there. But, man, they got to get past a good Reese Puffer team. And, uh, I, you know, I was talking to, uh, to Mike Matucci after the game, and he just said, man, Reese Puffer was big and physical. You know, they just didn't respond to it. Apparently there was just Reese Puffer – Judging from some of the tweets that the reps were sending out during the game, Reese Puffer was just throwing people around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just... I know for a fact that Traverse City West has no problem with being physical. I yep. know that for a fact, so if that's going to be the type of game, I'm sure Jeremy <coughs> Rinchula isn't that... Or there is pretty excited to let his boys play the hockey they like to play sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they've, they've been physical, they're fast... And they will put bodies on people, so that sounds like a pretty interesting matchup, if you ask me. And in his semifinal, he said that his team, they got a lot of power plays in that game because his players were able to control their emotions and not retaliate on those hits. So it's almost like they were kind of playing to play. Oh, yeah, just maybe draw, in, like, in case they see Reese, pu- Reese Puffer, you know, like, 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 like they were getting ready to play a team like that. Hopefully, because I know West might have a little bit of issues with the penalties, so they need to, like bait other people instead of being baited into it. All right, that's going to do it for our rendition of The Pulse. Brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. That's going to move us into our interview with Joe Tente and Ariel Jean, two Nordic skiers who blessed us with their presence after competing in the Nordic State Finals over the weekend. That's the second time we brought state champions on the pretty much almost the day after the race has happened. Oh, that, that's where we get the exclusive interviews with the exclusive people, the best of the best. For everyone to hear. Yeah, so make sure you stick around. We're going to go ahead and we'll give a listen to that now. Well, we're glad to have Ariel Jean and Joe Tente, Nordic skiers for uh, Traverse City. You guys uh, just recently got done with the state finals. We'll get into that later. But before we do that, we always do the Freaky Fast Five, which is just five random dumb questions. Awesome. That's, that a, that's an Odor sponsor at Jimmy John's. <laughs> it is. It is. And then uh, one of the ones that Jake wanted me to ask, he said, uh, what's the hot item to trade for at lunch now? Fruit roll-up. Homework answers. <laughs> probably. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. What is that? What is it, what's the going rate for those? I would say probably for a full sheet of math homework, <laughs> that's probably going to be um, a full slice of pizza. I don't participate in that, but I do observe. So of course. Yeah. So of course you don't. Wink, s- wink. Not yeah. Too much. Is <laughs> it pie cut or is it square cut? Probably pie cut. But Ooh, I yeah, think I think cut. that if we're talking about which is better, <laughs> triangle or square, it's definitely square because I think that it's just better to eat that yeah, way. But then there's no crust on the middle. You don't need. There's no crust on the middle, anyways. With but then you have a little bit of crust. Okay, that's the best part. I really like square cut pizza. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just do. GJ still does it. Oh. That's by my house. 
nice. What decade would you consider oldies music? Probably 80s and back. Yeah, I'd say 80s and back, too. What is the most embarrassing thing you have ever worn? So this is is skiing related, unrelated. Uh, Well, it's skiing related. We do this race where you have to dress up in a costume for it called the muffin race. And this year I went as a Floridian senior citizen. So I was wearing like cargo shorts and like this white shirt. My name was was Darla. My name was Darla. Everybody had to call me Darla. And um, we saw these little kids that we help coach on Mondays there. And they saw me and they were like, why are you dressed like that? Like that is just not a good outfit, Ariel. So that was pretty embarrassing. Mine was last year at the same race. I wore a Captain America suit. (laughs) <laughs> but to raise money for our schools, my mom runs around in the Captain America suit with a box top on front. So, so everybody turns in box tops. And it has like a full on uh, mask. It's just a shirt with eyes cut in the whole, er, eyes cut in the front. And I wore, I was Captain Box Top for that race last year. And I won, so it was worth it. I want a hat and some cool swag. What's the most ridiculous headwear or hat that you own? I really don't have, like, weird hats or anything. I bucket just, hats. I guess I like <laughs> I like bucket hats, though, so I wouldn't say that's ridiculous. I got a clown hat with, like, a wig built in, and it's, like, enormous. It's pretty cool. Purple wig. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I think when I was, like, in middle school, I was Halloween three years in a row. I was a clown. It was like my favorite hat. Did you just wear the hat, or was there anything else that went? There was big glasses too. I had monster glasses and big shoes. Everything's overshadowed. No. What's your favorite TikTok trend? This one is kind of over by now, but I really liked the ones that were like it would take you back in time. I don't really know how else to describe it. It would just be like time traveler goes back to like the dinosaur age, and then like something interesting would happen. That's the best description I have of it. Mine is one where you get your parents to do the dance with you oh yeah they don't know what's going on yeah <laughs> so they, they don't know that you're yeah. trying to get them to do the exactly. dance until yeah. you post a video of <laughs> it <laughs> those are the best what movie villain do you feel for the most and why oh uh, mysterio from spider-man because he's trying to save his homeland from well he's trying to gain power because he was rejected by tony stark mysterio okay. yeah Oh man, I can't think of a movie villain. Maybe the Barracuda and Nemo, because I feel like he just needed to eat two, and that's really the only one I can think of right now. That's really it. I don't know. So obviously you guys, this weekend, at Saturday at Hickory Hills, you both competed in the Michigan High School Nordic Ski Championships. And Ariel, you won both the Classic and Freestyle races. Yes. Joe, you took second in both those races and yep. won the sprint on Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Can you walk me through what Friday was like, a, a, what what differs sprint from like a 5K race and how, how'd you succeed in both? Yeah, so sprint is different in that it's, well, it's a lot shorter. It's a one kilometer race compared to a five kilometer race. And you race in heats of six. So after the qualifying rounds to see who would make it to the heats, it was six people would all start at the same time and you'd race each other around the whole course. And then this is first two across the line would make it to the next rounds all the way to the finals. So is, is it a... Sh- straight course or is it just one lap around what the 5k course would have been it's one lap around part of the 5k course it's a really twisty course with a few hills in it and uh it's a real technical course that involves like a lot of turning and um that kind of stuff so they modified the saturday course to make it one kilometer yes they did okay. it's used more the bottom half of it and ariel if i remember you did pretty good in sprint as well yeah i got second in the sprint on friday so that was pretty cool too is a sprint a narrower or a wider course though how, how um, is passing in in those 
So, in TC, we actually have really unique trails in that they're really narrow. Like, if you go up north, up in uh, Houghton specifically, like, they have, like, three lane wide trails the entire trail. But ours is really just, like, only maybe one person can, can ski down it. So, that made our course really difficult because you had, like, if you wanted to pass somebody, you had to do it in the first half of the race. Otherwise, you were stuck where you were. Yeah, passing on our course is really, really difficult. And then another thing that's really interesting about sprints is that you have like four races in the day so that means that really you have to like hold back all of your energy in the first four like in the first three so that you can like actually hammer in the last one and win so it's really like sprints are like really challenging in that you have to make sure that you're not pushing too hard and that you're like resting yourself and preparing properly for the next one mm-hmm. which is cool is there like an etiquette for like if you're in a narrow course like that and there somebody kind of s- slower you catch up on somebody and so not in sprints but like on a on a 5k race there's something that's called the tracking rule and that's where like if you if the person behind you yells move or track then you have to get out of their way so that they can pass you yeah in sprints it's just whoever's in front of you if they go as slow as they go so, <laughs> yeah. if, so if you get out in front and you slow the pace way down and like you can't really do anything until um, there's a little, it gets a little wider, okay. and then you can pass. So in your guys' course, it's almost like a half K sprint because if you get in the lead in that first half yeah. K, then you can kind of just stay there. Yeah, yeah. Unless a miracle happens and you get around them somehow. <laughs> so yeah. there's there's parts that are wider, but like you have to know the course in order to know where those are and to know when to pass. And that's what gave us, I feel like, an advantage here because yeah. we knew the course and we raced or we skied it like every, almost every single day this season. So we know it in the back, like we know it great and that was useful to know when to pass when you can slow down a little bit because you're not worried about anybody passing you is there spots though in that second half of the the sprint that you can you can pass people or is it just just in certain spots for just a little bit and you got to know right where those are the especially into the finish so there's the finish lanes there's three lanes so you can ski three wide into the finish okay and uh that's where most of the passing was done, I feel like, on the course. And there's always corners and stuff where you can take them wider. It's more distance, but if you're going fast enough, you can make it around people. One, one of the things I noticed is those lane markers, they look like cut-up pieces of broom. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of what they are. Yeah, yeah. that's what they are. Are you guys able to notice those really easily? Yeah, I don't know how, but I guess just in the white snow, you can you can see them pretty yeah. well. Saturday, your coach told me it was perfect conditions. How did that? How'd you use that to your advantage, and how'd, what led you guys to do so well? I think the biggest reason our team did so well is, like Joe said, we knew that course so well. Hickory, those trails we got, like we got those trails last year. Like they're super, super new, and like I said earlier, they're totally different from anything else you're going to ski in Michigan. So when everyone came down to our course, it wasn't what they were expecting, and there's no way you could learn every single twist and turn on that course in time for the race on Saturday. So so just the fact that like I can ski that course in my sleep like I know it by heart and no one else did like we actually had a kid break his arm on one of the corners because he wasn't prepared for it but everybody yeah. on our team just coasted down yeah. like no problem yeah there's quite a few falls there yeah they said like the whole the whole girls team of one of the teams who came fell on one of the yeah. corners because they weren't prepared for it and we we knew it and so not all of us fell I guess what was that feeling like when you finally crossed the finish line it felt really good. Like I was going in, I was expecting maybe a third or somewhere in there. But uh, especially in the sprints where it's unpredictable because how the course is narrow and how somebody could fall and stuff like that. It was like you round the last corner and you're like, wait a second, I'm in first. Like we can go for it. And then the 5K uh, after the individual start, 
I was in second, and so I just had to keep my lead and stay in front of everybody to finish up. I saw your sister tackled you at the finish line. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Actually, the, oh, I was so rude. The first thing I said was, I can't breathe when you hug me. And I, felt, <laughs> I felt so bad after that. I apologized. I was like, I know you were just excited. I'm so sorry. Like, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I was actually like following her around when i was out in the course taking photos she said she was she wasn't trying to jinx it during the race what's what's her uh, support been like from her all throughout the season as an assistant coach so yeah she's an assistant coach she's staying here to go to nmc and then she's going to transfer up to nmu next year so when i learned that she was staying back instead of going like directly to a university i was really excited so my entire athletic career it's been with her like ever since we were in like first grade we started running together and then we started playing softball together and then we were introduced to biking and skiing together so pretty much as long as i can remember competing she's always been there either at my race supporting me or she's been there like competing with me and we've just used each other to like challenge each other so she's seen my entire journey from like from like sixth grade to like where i am now as an athlete and it just really means a lot that she was also just so excited because like she knows how much like it took in order to achieve that so that was really really special to me and that was a super cool moment how different uh both you guys are in vasa so how different is is racing in vasa than than racing in the like the high school nordic races i mean it's kind of the same field a little bit but for me it's really different because saint francis is not exactly a big school like we had well, last year i know we had three people on our team and this year i think we have eight or nine and it's good to meet new people from different schools around town and have a bigger team rather than just race for um, St. Francis with only a few people. I guess that it's not, States isn't really that different for us, I would say, because we race JNQs and um, JNQs are junior national qualifiers, which have much higher levels of competition. And States is really, it felt the same, like all the same people were there, the same teams we were, like we've been seeing all season. So really like it's a pretty seamless transition. And you guys have pretty similar results at Vasa as you did in the state finals too. Yes. I mean, you were yeah. both, you won one and I think we're in second in the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yep. you were going back and forth with Ryan Miller in both, I think, right? Yeah, so we had a sprint finish in the sprint. So it came down to the last maybe 25 yards. And then in the other two races, we were not skiing together, but we were within sight of each other for the whole time. As a, as a team, the Traverse City Nordic team tied for first first time since 2009, I believe, with Copper Country. Of And your coach said that she was from Houghton. What, what did it feel like for as, as a team to beat them Saturday? Or not really beat them, but like... Tie. Yeah. 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 That was so cool. That was like, like that was the coolest experience of this season because Traverse City, um, we're not exactly known for our skiing community, but I feel like in the past five years, we've re- like the Vasa Ski Club especially mm-hmm. has been like just instrumental in like endorsing skiing and like advocating for kids to get out on skis. So finally, like showing the rest of our skiing community in Michigan that like we're here and like we're going to be a powerhouse and that we're like on the come up to like being a competitive team was so cool to show them that was awesome especially like finally winning on our home turf and showing them like we like we're serious down here this is it was super cool so yeah I can speak to that so when we had a race in the UP and one of the kids from Marquette said oh states is Traverse City this year I'm like oh yeah and he goes, you guys gonna break out the snow guns or what because you guys don't have any snow down there I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, don't you have to, like, roller ski and use snow guns in order to make your trails? And I'm like, no, we get we get snow, too. 
And so we're, we're not known as a skiing community compared to Houghton, where, like, everybody skis in Marquette, where they always, they can ski from November into, into April. So it was good to win and to show them, like, what we've got. And you mentioned you both raced in junior national qualifiers. I was talking with your coach. You each are heading to a national meet in the coming weeks. Joey, where are you heading? I'm heading to northern New York in Gore Mountain for the Eastern High School Championships with Ryan Miller. So he and I both qualified off our junior national results. And so that should be a fun trip. It's in a week and a half now. Mariela, where, where were you going? Um, I'm going to Truckee, California, which is near Lake Tahoe. We're racing in, at Donner Summit. I leave this Friday, actually, which is kind of crazy because I thought I had like a month to prepare. And then I found out that I'm leaving like literally Friday morning, which is crazy. Do you think you could use states to prepare you for those races? Most oh, definitely, yeah. 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 Well, similar kids are, it's going to be similar competition as states is. And so it's good to know you can measure yourself up against these type of kids in order to see how you can do out there. Are the courses the same sizes? It's a mix. So I know in New York we're doing a 7.5K classic and a 5K uh, skate and then a 1K sprint. Have you guys thought about doing like the like the, the long marathon ones that they have, like at the Vasa, the... The, the big 34K, the 50K, yeah, the 50K 50, yeah. and all those. I plan to after high school or college racing, maybe in college racing, but really our, like, our season is just so packed. Like, this is really the first, like, this last weekend was the first weekend I've been home in, like, three months. So there's really just no time to do them, but I really want to. I want to do the Berkey one day, which would be really cool. Yeah. Now I heard that um, you tried to be in the boys races in the Vasa. <laughs> I did and <laughs> they wouldn't let me so I said I was gonna tuck my hair up under a hat or something that way I could race with them but um I know all the like I know the the starter was my dad and he was like I don't think they're gonna let you do that Ariel so I was told no and I had to go back to the girls race but you couldn't endanger your dad's job no I could not <laughs> But, yeah. Did you just want, like, different level of competition, or... Yeah, so really, I train with the boys all summer long. Mm -hmm. I'm the only girl that, like, goes to practice all summer. And, like, when we go out and ski, there's, like, an advanced group. And there really aren't that many girls in it. It's, like, very boy-dominated, but I go in it. And all of the boys are just my friends, because that's who I have no choice but to ski with them. (laughs) And, uh, which is a good and a bad thing sometimes. Um... (laughs) But, yeah, I really just wanted to be able to race them head-to-head because I thought it would be fun, and um, I just wanted to be able to push myself a little harder than just kind of racing out there all alone. But, yeah, it didn't end up happening. I still I still did end up getting fifth one day anyways, You were, like, fourth so, overall or something yeah, like that. Like, yeah, like, I still yeah. beat most of the boys anyways in my own race, which was really, really fun. So. Yeah, I, th- I think your time, yeah, you would have finished, f- I think it was fifth in the boys. Yeah, yeah. Or something which like I, was, I was really stoked about that. I was like, yes, I can still get them all by <laughs> myself, so... Because the girl around here that hangs around with you, hangs with you the most is the eighth grader from yes, St. Francis, right? Yes, Annie yeah. Paulson, yep. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. Um, when I started skiing, it's not really that funny, but when I started skiing, I, well, I was an eighth grader, and I started training with the high school team. And there was a girl named Mary Lyon, and she mm-hmm. was a junior when I was in eighth grade. So it's the exact same situation right now where Annie's, like, coming up, and she's, like, beginning her journey into high school racing, and she, like, has me to, like, be there to, like, show her what's going on, and that's exactly who Mary was for me. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool parallel right there. Yeah, and Traverse City's won like a bunch of the girls' titles in a row, right? Yeah, between that you was Mary and, Lyon. between you yeah. and Mary Lyon. And yes, I know she won like three years in a row or something like that. Yeah, yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. And then was that there was somebody before her, I believe, that won a couple of mm-hmm. a couple um, before her. There definitely are. I don't know them off the top of my head. The yeah. first ones I think of are the Coulter twins. They're pretty well known around here in the skiing community for winning states as eighth graders. So, 
Yeah, Traverse City's definitely known for producing pretty good female athletes, in skiing at least. Just to change up a, one to a different sport a little bit, you uh, played soccer yep. for St. Francis mm-hmm. as well, and uh, Ron Christie just retired. Yep. That's his retirement after 19 years there. Mm-hmm. What was it like playing for a guy like that that had been around that long and, uh, and seen that many different teams and, and everything? It was definitely good. He definitely had the experience over us. Um, like he'd been coaching, like you said, for 20-some years and knows all the coaches from around and how all they how they all play. And he'll say, like, okay, when the ball is over here, they have a set play where they're going to go move it over here. And he knows all of them like by name, and he's got the experience for sure. We recognize that and thank him for all those years and all those regional titles that he used, that we won and districts and stuff like that. What's the worst way that your uh, name has been pronounced? <laughs> probably by our own coaches yeah or announcers and stuff like that they go thwent or uh that that's the most common one is thwent that is i don't blame them i mean (laughs) nobody pronounces it right after you if you just glance if you just look at it yeah i didn't the only reason i knew how to pronounce it was because of ron christie yeah (laughs) saying it on the phone (laughs) that's actually really funny yeah (laughs) or thwenty or tenty or yeah you can you can look, everybody looks at it and says something different. But it's pronounced tente. Tente, right? yep. Okay. That's how you pronounce it. And are you, are, you, are you involved in any other sports? Yeah, yeah, I am. My family's super athletic. That's, that's pretty much how we bond together. I tried a lot of sports growing up, but right now the main ones I do are skiing. I don't run for my high school team anymore, but I still do a lot of running races in the summer. Skiing, biking, running, and triathlons. And that's those are the main four triathlons yeah yeah uh, actually triathlons and skiing are super complementary to each other i don't i don't exactly know why i bet my coach could tell you but biking running and swimming are all just super good cross training for skiing so they go hand in hand pretty well is there like a winter equivalent to a triathlon (laughs) yeah i think there is isn't (laughs) it isn't it like snowshoeing Fat biking, biking and then is it skiing yeah skiing. snowshoe yeah. fat bike ski it doesn't sound fun no. at all i would not want to do that <laughs> but i know it's a thing so winter biking i'm not into that that does not sound fun to me at all no you're not gonna be in the ice man no oh actually no. i do do the ice man but yeah i wouldn't want to do like winter fat biking i just it's so cold like uh as soon as I get my road bike out, as soon as, like, winter's over and it's, like, 40 out, like, it's miserable. You Like, your feet just go numb and you can't feel your fingers because, like, the wind is just so bad and it's not fun at all. But it's, it's I guess it's okay <laughs> if I do it still. I, I didn't realize how year-round skiing is if you're serious about it. Yeah. You, get, you both said you trained in the summer and you, you said you used triathlons, biking, and all these other sports to help you compete and ski. What, what is it about that that makes it that way? So I kind of like quit my other sports that I competed in for my high school in order to focus more on skiing just because it's something that I'm really passionate about. And um, like all these other sports, I think that they're really good to do because it keeps like your competitive mindset going and it especially helps your endurance that just transfers over so well into skiing. Just you're using the same muscle movements for running. Like if you look at classic skiing and then you look at running, like they're the same thing. And then if you look at the muscles you use for biking and then skate skiing, they're the same thing again. So it's really just a way to prevent injury. So you're not moving them in the same way, but you're just using the same muscles anyways if that makes sense so we also do roller skiing over the summer which is it's just basically long roller blades um on your feet with uh cross-country ski poles in your hands with special tips so you can dig into the road you still use like the same boots though they have bindings on them Mm -hmm. and so we we do that all summer that's the closest thing i think you can get to skiing 
because it's just it's the same thing really yeah it's like it's really sketchy though it's yeah. so bad because th there aren't brakes on them yeah and then if you hit a rock it's not like a roll it's not it's like a skateboard like you're gonna hit it and you're just gonna like go flying on your face and it's just it, they're and so bad like downhills yeah you can't i stop <laughs> like there's nothing you can do about it if you go down then you go down and like the ground is very unforgiving on roller skis so yeah not yeah there's really it's there's no better alternative for training though in the summer actually like the biggest motto i think there is in like club skiing is skiers are made in the summer because really what you do is you just build up your fitness to a level that like you can't really come back down from and then once ski season hits you begin to taper off and stop training and like you just let your fitness carry you throughout the races that's pretty much how ski racing works but the roller skating or the roller skiing has to teach you pretty good technique because you're like, I really do not want to fall down in these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want to fall down. I still have scars from last summer, I know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All over me. When we, uh, we have this camp out at Sleeping Bear every year, and there's um, the Heritage Trail goes right through there that we ski on sometimes. And we were going down this hill, and then Joe, like, started picking up speed on someone, and there was nowhere to go, so we just had to dive into this raspberry bush, because, like, they just lined the sides, and got back <laughs> up, and his shirt was, like, all ripped, and his, like, shoulder was super bloody, and we had, like, a two-hour ski left, so he was just skiing on the side of the road with, like, this bloody shirt. Yep. <laughs> you <laughs> skied through that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Skiers are tough. They're so tough, so... That was a pretty good day, actually. No, not, not a good day. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a good story. It's a good story, yeah. It's definitely a good story. Ariel and Joe, uh, thanks for coming into the studio. We really appreciate talking to you guys. Good luck this coming weekend and yes. week yeah. as you guys uh, head on a flight for your each respective national meets. We'll look forward to hearing from you and how you guys do. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much for having us. Another huge thank you to Joe Tente and Ariel Jean for joining us here at the Get Around after winning their state titles only a couple of hours ago. Well, several hours ago at the very least. I think it was like 36 hours ago. Something like that. That interview yeah. <laughs> brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak yeah. We got to move into our girls' basketball districts segment. Got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we have all of our teams still left. Today is the first day of districts. First time seat districts are seated. This is going to kind of work itself out. I know a lot of the teams are excited. I know a lot of coaches and players are excited that this is how it's going to happen this year. Um, some of the best teams are actually getting their buys or they're getting the, the top seed, and it's working a little bit better off for them. We're going to go all the way through from Division One all the way down to Division Four, and run through these districts and give you our picks for our favorites. So before we get started, we're going to go from the top, like I said, at Division One, and move our way down to Division Four. We're going to start with stuff that goes on today. By the time this podcast gets over with or is published, some of these games will be over and some of these will be decided. So here we go. Division One start off, Gaylord and TC West play tonight, and Marquette and Petoskey play tonight in that district. Where do you think this one goes? Mm, Marquette. I don't think any of these teams from our coverage area, girls-wise, are a district title-looking team either. Uh, Marquette has probably the best shot. I'm going to say outside of Marquette, I think it is going to be TC West, but that's if they really like have a couple good games. They have to really score the basketball. They have to be on top of their stuff. But I think 
it'd be Marquette then TC West for me. I actually do like TC West. They they do pass the ball really well. Even though they didn't score a lot against Central, they seemed like they worked well. They they were, they were taking a lot of shots. They weren't afraid to take a lot of shots. So I'm going to give them the edge in this game. All right, let's move to Division Two, fellas. So we got a couple here in Division Two. These are some of our uh, better teams that have been ranked throughout the season and such like that. We have Sheboygan and Kingsley who play tonight. And Sault Ste. Marie and Grayling, I think it's pretty obvious for me at least who's going to win this district. They've won a couple in a row. Um, they've been really good, and I know the athletes they have. I mean, Kingsley with the girls that they had, how I saw them play last week and completely dominate Benzie Central about a week ago. I think Kingsley is primed and ready for the playoffs. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, I think Boyne City can maybe give them a game in the finals, but until that, I don't see Kingsley like getting a, a, a giant test in this district. It's a pretty obvious choice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's nice Boyne City does get that that buy, but once again, I know that we've seen Kingsley and, beat. And home court. And who doesn't like playing in the Rambler Den, or what is it called? No, the, no. In the, the wheelhouse. The, the wheelhouse, that's right. The actual gym is called the wheelhouse. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still giving in the district to Kingsley. Uh, we've seen what they've been able to do. Another Northwest Conference title. Sydney Hessem, Brittany Bowen, Matt Shellick. He knows what he's doing. He has those girls prepared. They just played Freeland to the end of the season. I know they've had some tests, so I think they're ready for districts, and they're going to be the ones to come out on top. Our highest-rated team all season for girls in Division Two is getting to host their district, which is very, very nice. But Cadillac is going to be playing Ludington on the first round of their district game. The other side of that is going to be Manistee Big Rapids. I don't know that we have to go super deep into this district. Uh, I think Cadillac has home field, has home court, runs away with this, no problem. Or do you guys see anything else happening? Yeah, I think they're definitely the the prohibitive favorites in this. Uh, you know, Benzie Central can maybe give them some run in the finals. Um, but until then, I don't see them getting uh, getting uh, much of a contest in this. Comparatively from last year, that that district final game between Benzie Central and Cadillac, that came down to the last second, and Cadillac won on a last-second free throw after what I saw from Benzie last week. Um, I mean, Benzie's right around a 500 team this year. They really did miss Abby Bretzky. A- Ellen Bretzky is a fantastic player. She's still only a junior, um, mm-hmm. but she, she really is the cog that runs that team. I th- I like that they get a bye. It gives them a second to kind of like prepare for this, but Cadillac is way too good, especially after seeing what Kingsley did to Benzie Central last week. That's why I think Cadillac is just, you could stamp this for a district final. Yeah, Here's the one thing I'll say, though, is for a team like Cadillac that relies so much on the three, I've gotten hurt a lot of times that, oh, this girl made a lot of three-pointers or, oh, this girl scored a lot from the three. Sometimes you'll have a night where that just falls flat. And that sometimes mm-hmm. that can haunt you. We see that all the time in the tournaments with March Madness. With, with the University of Michigan, literally every single game. It's been like this for three years. It just happened again. They shot two for 26 from three-pointer and lost. Like, Michigan has lived and died by the three. I know it's so easy to happen if you can't. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to happen in, in the first yeah. round of districts. Or but for, it can somewhere. But it can somewhere. And, and it more than likely is going to happen somewhere. Right. And that's when Cadillac has to be able to overcome it. Yeah. Because they have some players who can do that. But they have to be able to overcome that. I mean, I think Cadillac. I for, think they can. I'm just putting. Yeah, it out I think there. they I mean, can. I mean, we, they don't have a lot of height either. But I don't think they're going to run into anybody else in this district that has a lot of height either. No, so that's not, that's going to be their one weakness. I don't think they're going to have too many issues until like a regional final. In reality, yeah. And but still, I think Cadillac is one of our two best shots to get to the Breslin Center for girls this year. Let's move over. Or let's move down to Division Three. We're going to go. Uh, you only got one team in this district. But we're going to kind of run through it a little bit. Manton gets to play Houghton Lake. We know Manton, Jane Wilder, Abby Brown, Abby Scheffler. They've had a lot of girls be able to do this. I was excited about them at the beginning of the year, and I still think that they're a district title-worthy team. What about you guys? The only thing that scares me about that one is that it's at Lake City. Lake City's played Manton. Lake City's played Bel Air. They both gave them a loss. They gave Bel Air their first loss season. And I think both Manton and Lake City were ranked at the time when they played. Manton received the first-place vote at some point during the season. 
Lake City's just been that team that's been every team's just like doomsday. Like they circle that game in the calendar, like oh this is gonna be a huge game, and then Lake City wins it. So that's the thing that scares me most about that one. That but the, the big thing once again, Man has lost Lake City twice this year. The last time they played, that was just like a I don't know if it was defensive, but it was like a thirty to twenty yeah. game. It was not a very high powered offensive game. They were battling and fighting for balls. Once again, we've said this many times. It is so hard to beat a team three times in one season. Lake City, Manton. We've seen Manton, when they have that extra game in the districts, they have a little bit of extra fire. They know they can do it. <clears throat> the girls who they have this year, I think, are the ones who can make it happen, especially in their senior season. I think Manton is going to be looking at that Lake City game with, like, fire red in their eyes. And When we had them on our podcast, they already were looking at their regular season games with fire in their eyes. Now they can know they can get them at home in a district final if possible. That's a game I want to look out for. Yeah, I, I like Manton's chances in this, even though they've lost to, to Lake City twice. Um, you know, the first time was by 11, the second time was by 10. Um, but the second time, they didn't have Molly Lane, really. Um, she's back now. They've worked her back into the rotation. She gives them, you know, somebody that, you know, is, is somebody you have to really contend with down low. I think the Manton can be a completely different team, and getting to play a team that beat you twice in the regular season. In districts, and, I think then, it feels and, good. and then and then getting the satisfaction of maybe being able to beat them on their home court. That's uh, that's what I mean. That's that sounds like a good. Man's got a lot to play for in this game. I I like, I, I, I like Manton's chances in this one. That's what I'm saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I like Manton for a district title. That's Obviously. probably our uh, most loaded regional right there. Well, we or have most, no. Our, our next district. one actually is yeah. gonna be the one that kind of we have to, we have a lot to talk about. All of our area teams are in the Division Three regional at Glen Lake uh, to start off with in the first round. Glen Lake and Elk Rapids are gonna play, which we know. Uh, Glen Lake has done great this season. Already have a Northwest Conference, sharing the Northwest Conference title. They have a lot of athletes, and we've talked about them as being one of our favorites. Now you get that first-round game. Also in that district is Mancelona, Traverse City, St. Francis, and GT Academy. So, fellas, I mean, I think Glen Lake is the favorite looking at it, but there's at least two other teams in this district who can probably turn this on its head. I would say Glen Lake is the prohibitive favorite. I mean, I'd you know, I mean, we saw what happened in the Charlevoix-St. Francis game. Glen Lake has to have seen that. <laughs> and going to be watching that tape a lot. You know, Elk Rapids is, you know, they've they've just been a, another kind of another team. Like, you know, they've been they've been all right, but they haven't had a lot of, like, great signature wins or anything like that. I mean, they lost a lot of good players from last season's team. Um, so they're rebounding with a, the with a younger team. You know, and then Mancelone and GT Academy, you know, they're, they're solid teams. This is a solid district, yeah. but still Glen Lake is kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. I, I agree. That's again. This is the thing. I just remember last year. The only reason I say that it, they, I know there's a couple teams that get flipped around its head is because with the madness that I saw in the girls' basketball districts last year. I mean, Glen Lake fell in this situation last year in the district final, if I'm not mistaken. Almost positive when they were once again head and shoulders favorites to win it. Nearly positive. That's what happened. I'm nearly. I can't. No, last year was when they the, the districts were different last year and they lost to Manton. Yeah, in like the first round. Yeah. And they were favorites for the entire and then, thing. And then Manton lost to El Grappens. El Grappens, exactly. Yep. Glen Lake was the hands-down favorite last year in the first round, and they got upended. Uh, once again, this is just anything can happen because these teams have all seen each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Lakers come out on top of that one, but that was probably one of our craziest districts last year. Had like three buzzer beaters come out of that one last year, and mm-hmm. I think GT Academy is a better team than they were last year. I think Mancelona girls are a little bit better team than they were last year with Tegan Griffor and things like that. I, I think it's going to be an interesting district. Next district is still Division Three. They are headed out to Charlevoix. 
Got a few more teams in here with East Jordan taking on Charlevoix on Monday. And then Johannesburg, Lewiston uh, in that second round already waiting on Harbor Springs. This is one of those districts that, you know, Charlevoix is, once again, I think head and shoulders above any one of these teams. And I think Charlevoix has their home court. Even though they have that first round game, they get Inland Lakes, possibly Joburg. I know Harbor Springs has not been too good this year. I think this is a pretty easy walkout for uh, for Charlevoix as long as they can work at least stuck back in seamlessly. Yeah, I think that's what half of this district is going to be about, is just going to be getting a couple of games in with at least stuck in these first couple of rounds and then getting ready for Joburg and regionals. So um, yeah, I think that in this district, Charlevoix is definitely the prohibitive favorite. Yeah, well, <laughs> they were, <laughs> they, they were beating a lot of teams without at least stuck, and then you throw in a Division One Big Ten recruit to the mix at the last minute. <laughs> I, I think I maybe this was planned on purpose. Who knows? Alicia, she wanted to let her team get really good, not hog the ball all season, and go ahead and come in the playoffs and just win a state title. Just take right? it easy. Right? <laughs> I'm just, just going to take it easy. Let you guys, uh, we don't have to win a certain number of games to get in the districts anyway. Yeah, right, right, right. All right, we'll move on to Division Four. We only have a couple more districts to talk about left. Another one that is loaded with area teams is the Division Four district at Leland. Leland will take on Buckley on Monday, and then waiting on Wednesday is Lake Leland on St. Mary to play the winner of that game, and then also Sutton's Bay and Forest Area, or North Bay technically, and Forest Area will be going on Wednesday. This is kind of an up-in-the-air district for me. None of these teams are powerful or super powerful. None of them are really, you know, not a threat. So we have players on players and superstars for each one of these teams, and I like this district. You get to see Olivia Lowe. You get to see Shelby Cade. Uh, you get to see Mackenzie Shimshack. You get to see all these people. Mm-hmm. And they all have put up a lot of numbers. It may not be... I'm not saying it's not going to be five on five, but I feel like you're going to see a lot of like individual great matchups in this district. Two questions. Which player are you most excited to see in the playoffs out of here, and who wins the district? As far as who wins the district, I'm, I'm going to go with Leland. Um, I just like... Uh, in this... Especially in this district, it, it's it's loaded with solid teams. I mean, you don't have you don't have like a a weak sister, so to speak, in this in this district. Everybody you know can win a game against any uh, one of these other teams too. <clears throat> yeah, Leland, I just like uh, Olivia Lowe. When, when I saw her play earlier this season, man, she is just relentless. She's not the biggest girl on the court, but she plays like it. Um, she just attacks the basket, attacks the boards, and just doesn't stop and you're just not going to get anything but aggression from her when she, when she's on the basketball court so i like leland in this um I, i'm also interested to see Paige kohler um in this district and see uh, you know she hit a thousand points this year has done a lot of a lot of things there for sutton's bay over the years and uh you know we'll see how she closes things out andrew i'm just gonna circle leland i know you mentioned olivia Lowe. i think that's the best player in this district <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, you mentioned Olivia, but I just want to say, like, that first-round game, Shelby Cade has the, the exact same capability to score 25 points in a game. Leland sometimes does have trouble supporting Olivia a little bit. She has had to do a lot for that team. I've seen her score upwards of 60 to 70% of their points in a game. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm not 100% sold on Leland being the person coming out or the team coming out of this district. Like I, like I said, most of these teams are sitting right around 500, right above it. Most of these teams have played each other before. This makes for really interesting matchups. Like I, mean, I said, what, Leland's right across the street from North Bay, basically. They're in St. Mary. 15 minutes. And, and I mean. like Leland all St. Mary. Yeah, I mean, so this is, is all County. It's pretty geographic. It's, this yeah. is Leland all County's district, but <clears throat> that's the thing is they've seen each other. They know how to work each other when you get to these types of teams where you have Olivia Lowe, you have Shelby Cade, you have one or two players 
who really are relied upon for not just points but for rebounds and all that type of stuff, you can plan to take those people out of a game when you've seen them before and seen their skill set. So I think this is going to be one of our more interesting districts, especially because, like you said, there's no powerhouse, but there's also no weak sister here. All right, we have a couple more to go through. Division 4, moving all the way down into the final uh, lower, lowest division here at Boyne Falls. we got a Gaylord St. Mary taking on Boyne Falls, which I think is a pretty uh, pretty good run for Gaylord St. Mary to be able to get their uh, get their playoffs started. But then we have Bel Air and Central Lake along with Ellsworth and Elba in that district. We all know what Bel Air has done through the regular season. Do we have to talk too much more about this district, though? I think so. Because, you know, both the games they had against Gaylord St. Mary were really good games. You know, and they, and they circled that game that, that you know, that they're going to end their streak and all the, this is going to be Bel Air's time to rule the Ski Valley Conference. And, and, and they said, you know, this is that's our district. This is going to be our we, – we can't take any matchup we have against Gaylord St. Mary lightly because, you know, we're going to have to face them again in the postseason. It might be Gaylord St. Mary's time to finally turn things back around. Maybe, maybe not, but – that's that's my matchup I've circled here. I'm just glad that that is one of those matchups that will be in a district final. Yeah. If they get it. This is the type of matchups we've been waiting for in district finals. I'm so glad that they did not get matched up in the first round. It seems like it, something like that would have happened in previous years. But, I mean, I'm head over heels on Bel Air right now. They have done nothing but over and over surprise me this season. So, I am all on the train, I hope. They can keep surprising me and just run away with all this. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely got to be Bel Air in there. I mean, St. Mary has stayed kind of close with them in the games, the two games they played. I think they were seven and twelve or thirteen yeah. points or something like that. But you know, I just think that uh, that this is just. I think this Bel Air team is just too much. I think they're, the confidence they're, they're is nineteen. High too. They're nineteen and one. The only team they lost to was a Division three school. That's that we're talking about as a Number team three. that's that's also going to be. You know, a, a district title contender in that Manton district. Um, you know, so Bel Air has rung the bell every all season. I, I I think that's our pick is definitely Bel Air or mine at least. Yours, his, all of us here at the get around. All right, we have one more to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. The Division Four district at Onekama starting Monday. Onekama is going to take on Brethren today, and Manistee Catholic is going to take on Frankfurt. Waiting in the second round is Music and Bear Lake. This is going to be one that is. Tossed in the air, but I think it's between Onekama and Frankfurt. They get a chance to uh, play in the district final if it's a case. We know Callie McCarthy. Frankfurt has had such an up-and-down season, but I know they have their nights. They have their ways to win. Tim Resnich will have them ready. Reagan Thor has been good all season long. Emily Lone has been pretty good for Frankfurt, but they just haven't been able to kind of put it all together on a consistent basis. I know when they get to the playoffs, Tim Resnich is pretty... Uh, pretty intense and he'll be able to get them on there but you saw Colleen McCarthy and you said I mean with the exception of her getting shut down in the beginning most of that game that you saw do you think that they'll be able to kind of help Onekama get to a district title or I, th- I think so her and with her and Sophie Wisniewski they've got you know two big players down low and and McCarthy can play outside as well um, and if so if you got a girl that's almost six foot tall that can sit on the outside and hit three pointers there's not a whole lot of Division Four teams that have something that can defend that. So Onekama is, I think, got to be the favorite here. Frankfurt also is definitely in the conversation. Onekama is going to have to watch out for Misik a little bit, but I think that they should get by him. Um, Misik's been kind of a pesky team this season, but but I see I see Onekama at Frankfurt being the the finals. Yeah, that first matchup with Brethren, it's going it, it might be just like a. You can't look back past matchups like those, but it's also kind of like like you said a bye. You hope at least, but once again, like like I said, with there's there it's the playoffs, and I swear to swear to God, crazy things happen. But hey, that's why we're talking about them. That's gonna do it for the district roundup. I'm excited to see all the crazy things that are gonna happen in the girls 
uh, basketball playoffs. Like I said last year, I thoroughly enjoyed, and this was this week right here was probably one of the ba- best weeks I've ever had covering sports last year. So I'm really excited uh, for girls basketball to start. Remember to come back next week for a full district breakdown of boys basketball once the season ends this Friday. That segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. At Jimmy John's, they're freaks about fresh bread, meats, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. We're going to move into our favorite segment where we get to recognize our athletes of the week and put somebody else into the Get Around Hall of Fame, which, as you know, I don't know if I'm required to say this via contract, but it's the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. It is. We have three new nominations to see who our new member in the Get Around Hall of Fame will be. Fellas, you guys were here last week. You saw the performances, so you guys get to take the lead. Who's your nominations for episode 115? Uh, mine's going to be Blade Kalb Flesh. Like you said, he had 11 strikes in a row for 298 to send West to the finals. It is disappointing to fall two points short, two pins <laughs> short of a 300 game. I hope that that is not the closest that he comes. In the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, in that last game comeback, like you mentioned earlier in the in the show, I mean, that is just to a T how you lead your team. And like you said, there's a few other kids who were just bold outrageous for TC West in that final game. So uh, congratulations to Blade and the West boys. James, who's your uh, nomination? Yeah, I think they averaged about, a, across the five, I think they averaged about a 220. I mean, granted, the 298 kind of inflates that a little bit. But I think the 298 that, was probably up there as one of the best scores in the state this weekend, too. I mean, I'm sure. I, there, there's <laughs> only two other scores that could be higher than it. So, yeah. And 300 games don't happen all that often. Um, I'm going to put up from Grand Traverse Academy uh, in girls basketball, Claudia Burley. Um, she just had a, just an incredible stat line this week. 25 points, 13 rebounds, 7 steals, and 7 blocks wow. in a win over Forest Area. I mean, that's just a couple of that couple, of, a couple quick, of steals and blocks here or there from a quadruple-double. Yeah. Whoa. That's just pretty impressive. I got another big basketball game. We've talked about this kid a couple of times, but he's helped lead Ellsworth to a great season so far. But Ethan Tornga, another fantastic stat line. 24 points, 18 rebounds, 9 blocks, 5 assists, and 4 steals. So, once again, all over the place for Ellsworth. That's another big one. we got to put this to a vote, though, guys. Who do we think deserves the nod for episode 115? I'll go first. I'll, I'll, I'll vote for uh, Blade. I mean, I mean, cool name as much as anything else, too, on top of everything else he's done. Also, the starting goalie for TC West when they went to the uh, state finals this year. Go ahead and say it. I know you want to. Blade is the definition of a bowly. <laughs> a bowly, yeah. He's the goalie for soccer. And goalie a bowler. and a bowler. He's a bully. All right, who you got, Andrew? Claudia Burley. Close to a quadruple double. Qu- quad dubs are really, really cool. They, I think it, it did it happen once or did it happen twice last year with the girl from uh, Grambling State. I think it was twice. Yeah. Because once she did it, she did it again, and she it was like, wow. Hell, right? I was like, wow, yeah. It was like, wow, you did this again. Now oh, it's up to me. I think I'm going to give it to Blade as well. I mean, 298 is pretty dang impressive. Yeah, two two pins off, especially in that spot, helping send his team in the final game over to the state finals. The only thing is, you know. The other two stat lines we have sitting here are pretty similar. When, like we said, he probably had one of the best top or two or three scores in the state uh, last weekend. So, congratulations to Blade Calbflesh for being the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame. Get to move the velvet rope. Open the velvet rope. Yes, or maybe he can use the blade Blades and cut it. He can just cut his way in. Yeah. Yes. Or bowl his way into it. You know, just like chuck a ball. Just run over it. <laughs> congratulations, Blade. So that is going to move us into our final segment of today, which is the trifecta. Having some fun today, and we are going to come up with minor league baseball teams for our hometown. So before we go through it all, what's your hometown, Andrew? Uh, my hometown is Round Lake. But Round Lake, Illinois. Yeah. Okay. James? I have several that I could consider what my hometown, hometown is. Hometown. Where, where, where I went to born or high born school? Born and raised. 
Oh, I was born in Eaton Rapids. In Eaton Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. All right, that's what we're rolling with there. Born and raised. Lincoln Park, Michigan for me. I feel like this is your idea, so I feel like you have one. Andrew, you want to go first? Yeah, um, but I was going to continue with that. I went to high school in Grays Lake. It's basically the same town, like right um, five minutes away from each other. We had a problem with stuck trains. You know, you would be going to work, you'd be going to school. There was always a stuck train. It was You would just tell your teacher, yeah, we were stuck by a train today. That's what my minor league baseball team, the Round Lake Train Stoppers. And the teachers would just buy that? Well, they would be like, you should have left earlier. It wouldn't stop sh- me from you trying. You should have counted on the dang trains not working. It, w- it wouldn't stop me from saying that. I'm gonna. I was stuck by a train today. So. Oh, that's always a great excuse. It wasn't, but even, I, if it <laughs> even if they weren't stuck, you could be like, "Well, they were." You know, they're really bad, right? So you're gonna go Eaton Rapids. I guess I have to go Eaton Rapids then. If I went to, with Central Montcalm, that would just not be a, a whole bunch of not good things. Yeah, so let's go Eaton Rapids. So Eaton Rapids, if if they had a minor league baseball team, they would probably be the uh, the Islanders because the little trivia thing about Eaton Rapids is, is it is the only uh, city in the state of Michigan that has an island inside of it. Ooh. There's a there's an island there's a where the Grand River goes right through Eaton Rapids and there's this one part uh, in the middle of town where there's a big island in the middle of it and you can only get to it from to through a pair of walking bridges and it's just a park they turn it into a giant park the it's, Islanders that's pretty cool everybody would think that you sold off New York but you're like no you yeah. got an island in the middle of the city yo yeah I want to make this joke I'm not gonna keep it on here but instead of Lincoln Park the area I'm from is called Down River it'd be perfect if they called it the Down River Rats that's probably what it would be called because that's what we get called anyways. Or down river rats. I'm pretty sure everybody would just take it. Did Ann Arbor School already take river rats? Did they? No, yeah. it's down, it'd be down river and Wouldn't the name would just like, be rats. Wouldn't you <laughs> be like the rowdy rats or some. <clears throat> no, but it'd just be the down river rats. Down river is one word. But I would say if we're, if it was Lincoln Park, it would probably have to be like the Lincoln Park like bluebacks or something because everybody from where my hometown is a blue collar worker. Like almost everybody who still lives down there is a blue collar worker. I wouldn't call them like the blue collars, so like maybe like the Lincoln Park Bluebacks or something like that. I don't know. That'd be pretty good. The Down River Rats is probably the way I'd go with it, though. <laughs> yeah, Ann Arbor Huron is the River Rats. Okay. They did a, a competition with the st- they let the students vote on it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we, we were the Down. I'd, I'd say Down River Rats is the way that we'd have to go with it. That's exciting. Still not. Doesn't top the Wisconsin Utter Tuggers. The Utter Tuggers. What <laughs> yeah. was, no, my favorite that, one was. They only did the, that for one game, but that know, was pretty but sweet. No, my favorite one still so cool. was the one from the Frontier League. The uh, the jail ones. What was it called? Slammers. Yeah, the Joliet Slammers. <laughs> yeah, because Joliet, Illinois, is known <laughs> yeah. for its prisons. That's all yeah. they have is a big old, big old prison. So the Joliet Slammers. I love that name. Yeah, and the ballpark in their logo had uh, barbed wire fence around it. The ballpark had barbed wire fence around it. That's yeah, in the logo. Oh my yeah. god! You can keep going on with these. There's that's the thing. Oh about yeah, that's it. why yeah. we had to come up with the good ones. You know, what's not a dumb idea <laughs> is to cut this episode where it is because it's probably going to be running long anyways. So remember to like, share, retweet, comment, say hi to me, Andrew or James on Twitter. I'm at Jake Adnip. Andrew's at by Andrew R. And James is at James Cook 14. Make sure you follow us. Follow us at TCRE Sports on Twitter or on Facebook. If on you, Instagram. Even if you don't like sports, I uh, post pictures from my drone a lot of times. So. Yeah, I I don't have a drone, so you're not going to get that from me. Okay. James, follow him at Cook Boutique on Facebook and buy some antiques from the man. Let's shout out everything we can. Uh, thank you so much for listening to episode 115 of the Get Around. It's been a pleasure, and we'll see you for episode 116 next week.